You know, I didn't even mean to hit the record button, but I am running hella late, so I'm gonna go ahead and start this. This is a Freestyle Friday, and this is Mr. Benja with Mr. Benja's ADD experience, getting in there every day on the week and not the weekends, and talking some noise, doing some things, making things happen. So I had this idea for a Freestyle Friday, and as you know with this podcast, we're, it's a creative podcast where we sit down and talk about creativity in all its different forms and all its different incarnations and its different ways of being. So with a creative podcast, we're always discussing not just what we create, but things that people have created, the creation journey. And mostly I'm talking about this from a artistic design development type of viewpoint, but the techniques of creativity and creation come in a lot of flavors. So as I've always said, if you're a tax preparer, you know, you're creating a tax preparation business where you're creating the best tax forms. If you're a mother, you may be, you know, if you're a stay-at-home mom, you may be creating a happy household, a household that thrives, a household where everybody works together and builds upon each other. If you're a you know, father, you may be a, a creative person that, I don't know, keeps repairing the house and building it the way that it should be, putting a new deck in, mowing the lawn, making sure the house and car and everything is you know, stuck together. You're the house handyman, however you want to frame it. And, you know, if you want to switch those roles, you can do that too. What I'm saying is it's all about creation and creativity. And that's what I want to talk about in this podcast. So every so often, I think I'm just going to jump in here and have a freestyle session where anybody can come in, start saying what they want to say, have a discussion with me, ask questions, propose ideas for other podcasts. And we just have a little chat about it. Because I was going through the list of things and I really didn't feel like doing anything too heavy. And there needs to be a little time for people to relax and step back from everything that they've been doing and just review. I didn't think this was important when I was younger and coming up, like the year end reviews would happen and I would just kind of check out. But now I understand it. And it's like it, you need a second to kind of refresh and re recoup and relax and just get back to what you were doing before or get back to the roots of what you were saying and what you were going over and what you had done. So you get a chance to review and look at all that and it provides several benefits, but I don't have them all listed out here, but I think I may, that may be another idea for a podcast. The, the need for reviews, self-review, that recapturing of everything you've done before. There's a word that I'm looking for and I can't find it in my head. I should have played more crossword puzzles earlier on the day. I skipped my daily practice of crossword puzzles, by the way. But regardless, we're going to freestyle this one and just talk about some things that are going on. So uh, one, I'll start off with this one. Number one, artificial intelligence is going down. People are People aren't sure what to do with it. I think a lot of people are excited. A lot of marketers, artists, production people, managers, designers, they're starting to really get into the possibilities of AI to speed up their workflow and speed up what they're, what they're doing with themselves. But it really hasn't hit the mainstream yet. And it's funny, the, the way it's hitting the mainstream is through apps like the Bing search app, which is actually pretty powerful now with the new integrated chat GPT. And you've also got Google doing doing Bard. 
and I don't like Bard as much, but they're, you know, it's Google, so it's going to be a little plain, a little more vanilla than all the other offerings, but it's out there, it's doing the thing, and people are saying that it's going to be the next winner of the the AI wars, as we termed it on show versus business, but I, I see this, I see Google as kind of stumbling around. They don't, they don't have the, the design sense that an Apple has, or an Adobe has, or NVIDIA, or somebody like that. They make good products, but they, they've made their fair share of, of mistakes, so you, you'll get to see what Google's up to, but right now, Bar's looking rather plain, but I do like what they're doing in terms of AI with their email search, where you're able to use, not email search, just searching, but compose emails and talk to you, to Gmail as if you were just creating anything you wanted. That's pretty good stuff. So there's something there. But yeah, AI is getting crazy right now. And I, as much as I've looked into it and, and thought about it, I've really not sat down and tried to figure out how I want to condense it and format it for my life, right? Like I haven't boiled down, th these are the things I want to use AI for and really start integrating it really start taking the time to say, here's how AI and my life will go about doing things from now on. But I think I'm going to start doing that because given the way AI is going and the pervasive nature of all of its applications, I mean, geez, I deal in text and images all the time. So now that we have these apps that are just crazy with the things that the ideas that they bring about, it's going to be a big, big shift, and I need to be a part of it. So I think I'm going to up my AI production as well. <clears throat> I don't mean I'm going to be producing AI content, but I'm going to be producing with the assistance of AI much more quickly than I would have before. And so how, did, how does that even work, right? Uh, well, I tried something out earlier. I think it worked out pretty well. Basically, I was sitting down trying to figure out how something should be worded, wrote it out, didn't, didn't like it completely. So I, I copied it, pasted it into chat GPT and asked for variations on that thing that I just typed after a few back and forths and chat GPT, figuring out what I wanted, what I was trying to do and what I was trying to learn, I ended up getting not the response I wanted. So I didn't use the computer's responses, but it gave me enough ideas to where I could say, Oh, here's how I can rewrite this. So yeah, if you're a junior copywriter or something like that, you might need to learn AI so you can do what the manager is trying to use AI to replace you with. So that's going to be my AI thing for right now. It's really, really strange technology is going to take over the world and humans still have a place. I think we need to make a fundamental shift on how we view our work value, how we view our input to the world and the way things happen. And what I mean by the world and the way things happen, I mean, how are we going about with this concept of capitalism or even socialism, working, providing value to the community? What are we actually doing in the face of AI? Everyone talks about how they want to work less and wish that we had a, a society that either gave more of a crap about work or cared about building up a society, or we had a society that 
has some has somehow stopped the need for rampant corporate level, government level, state level productivity. So these are two ways of looking at working. And I don't think either of them are necessarily wrong. I do see I do see both points and both sides, but I don't think we're going to switch over anytime soon to a type of utopian wonderland where the AI does everything for us. It won't do that unless we actually work towards that end. So however we need to work towards that end, I definitely think it's something we should be focusing on. So that's that for AI. And other news, Twitter. I like what Twitter's doing. It's a it's a very interesting platform and people thought it was going to just go away when Elon Musk came in, took the realm, took the helm, but it didn't. It actually became more and more of a of a, of a thing, you know, it got more attention. People started using it more. Engagement was up and you're out 85% of the the workforce. In case you didn't know, when Elon came in, one thing he did was gutted the workforce to down to 85%. I thought that was nuts. I mean, the way he did it also was very quick, very, very open and loud. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it was kind of obscene. It was like, why would you, why would you treat people like this and put in so much? People are going to be hurting as you leave the company anyway. And maybe I kind of get what he was trying to do, but I don't think Elon's really got a touch on how a lot of people operate. And he's not supposed to. He's a CEO, right? CEOs are supposed to be, or not supposed to be, but their position generally leads to a situation where they're very far away from attachment with the current reality of life. And that's fine. If they're, they're going to be that person, then they be that person. I mean, you talk to art directors or people who are on the cutting edge of a lot of things, technology, art, social systems, whatever. Well, maybe not social systems so much, but in a lot of these other fields, you get people who are very out of touch. And that's fine. We just need some people around them that kind of keep them in touch. Does Elon have anybody like that? Uh, I wouldn't say so. But yeah, it's an interesting case study. And also, we talk about this on Show Versus Business, my other podcast with Theo. And you should probably go check that out at some point. Maybe I'll provide, if I find a link to it, I'll put it up. But basically, Twitter, the lot, a lot of what they're doing is in service of coming up with this thing called an everything app. Now, we don't really have those so much here in the United States, but there's this concept called an everything app where it controls or has access to your, your banking, your shopping, your ordering food. All these different services come through the the funnel of one app. You have your internet search on there. You have your connection to the internet. You have your text messaging. You have all of these tools, maybe even some streaming and entertainment in there too. You have all these tools wrapped into one bundle. And I think Facebook started to become that app at one point when they were adding in stock purchases and crypto purchases, and they were looking to get a marketplace going on like eBay inside the Facebook app. And they did a fairly good job with all of it, but it never became that one central app that everybody went to for all of their needs. And I don't think they managed the population very well. I think they could have been that, but they didn't manage the user base. They didn't manage how people spoke with each other. They didn't manage the manipulation well. 
I mean, they they did phenomenal jobs at a lot of things. So this is not a knock to them at all. But I just don't think they worked out with a lot of a lot of their their technologies and putting it all together in this one everything app. And I think that's what Elon Musk is trying to do. What's up, Flyboy Na? So. In keeping with the idea of an everything app, I think Elon Musk, a lot of his moves people are confused about are being made towards that idea of putting together this one crazy app that does all of this different, all of these disparate tasks under one umbrella. And would you be comfortable buying things over over Twitter? Would you be comfortable sending people money over Twitter? I don't know. Facebook didn't do it, but I think Twitter is a lot more of a global usable platform in a lot of senses. So maybe it could work. We'll see. All right, number three. And uh, always in the comments, let me know what you think, what you want to, anything you want to ask or talk about or discuss. It's a Friday. I'm just here chatting it up. Let me know what's up with you. Let me know what's going on. And we'll go from there. Number three, I was t going over the, my... I was just going through my Facebook feed and Patrick Hickey put up a post about, about supporting artists. And it's weird. Uh, a lot of this globalization, I think a lot of us have gotten away from the idea of actually working with artists, working with artisans, connecting to actual people. And somehow it's become easier to just click a button and get the actual product at your door with no context, no salesmanship, no friends, no connection to a, a local entity, no gossip going on, no neighborhood discussion. It's just a very simple transaction. I want that. I click, I buy it. Now, how does that, how does that affect art? Well, with the latest NFT craze and what we, what we went through during that era, it's hard to see us coming back from from that door that we've opened. Like we've opened the door to Amazon. We've opened the door to eBay. We've opened the door to Wish and all these other sales platforms and online e-commerce in general, where it's gotten, it's given us this very cold, detached buying and selling, right? And even if you want to talk about stuff like StockX, these platforms aren't really doing us a favor in terms of connecting us. They're just transactions. And when too many trans, everything becomes transactional, you start to lose touch with the people. People start getting into arguments, fights, and resource debates. It gets very ugly, very messy. People get very territorial. Well, no, that's mine. Well, no, you should be doing this, not me. Or how come I have to and you didn't have to? Well, what are you talking about? I've been doing this 20 years. And you can't just have a basic transaction anymore because there's so much... There's so little connection to actual people behind it. Like way back in the day when we're talking about barter systems and things like that and using money in the very early stages, it was like, hey, I have to go down to the, the butcher to buy my meat, to get my meat fresh. I had to actually talk to people. I had to know the person. The milkman actually came by. I had to know that person. When I went to get my clothes cleaned, I, I actually had to know the the dry cleaner. Now it's it's much more of a wild and loose and disconnected 
field that we're in. So getting back around to art, when I saw the NFT era come about, that reminded me of how we're just turning art more into these pieces of collectible commerce. And I'm, I'm actually a, a proponent, a fan of NFTs. But I think the way they played out, the way it ended up happening, what it just turned into a financial instrument. And we know that's what a lot of the art world is, which I agree with to a lot of, to a large degree. But those, those formats, even the format of major art still has the concept of an artist, an idea, a human expression. NFTs pulled us farther from that. I think that was a big danger because this going into the digital landscape and creating art in such a way that you're creating it to be a sales platform as opposed to getting an idea out. I think that's where it gets into another dangerous area for humanity where we're stepping away further and further from the actual art of, of a thing. And so what is the art of a thing? I guess you're talking about the human expression, the human connection, the nature of something more than its component parts. We're talking about its style, its meaning, its representation, its internal messaging, its brand, its history, its heritage, all of the different things that we're thinking about in terms of art and what it means to us and how it's got cultural and social and economic significance and all these different things. It's hard to get when it's just a financial instrument. So I've got to really, I think I will do an entire podcast on that whole buy art push without context, without any flattery, just buy art. What does that even mean for us now? In fact, I should be sitting down making art on a beach somewhere not even worried about all of this, but I've been pulled into the social media landscape. Yo, Papi Chulo Dreaded, what's happening, man? How things going? I am just here on a freestyle Friday, talking noise, was just freestyling, talked about some topics. I didn't want to do a, a whole serious breakdown of anything today. Just wanted to kind of throw my thoughts out there on some things, maybe ask some questions, talk about this, talk about that. And I was just going over doing what I want to do, doing versus what I need to do, and sitting around creating art. I thought to myself, what do I actually want to be doing? And the answer was, I wanted to be sitting around painting all day. Just kind of walking around in my, in my socks, my studio, just sitting around painting, not really even worried about selling, not worried about social media and not worried about branding and meeting with sales individuals, meeting with gallery owners. I mean, that's all fun and well in itself and it has its perks, but gosh, just think about what I wanted to be doing. Just wasting time, basically. Suppose uh, I, I was thinking about that in terms of like, what am I actually creating? What am I actually doing? And it's not entirely true that I want to just sit around painting. Like it's like when someone asks, what do you want to do? It's like, yeah, I want to eat eat cake and drink sodas all day without getting without getting my health impacted at all, without getting fat or anything like that. 
I mean, yeah, that's just a, a random thought, right? I just want to sit around doing whatever all day. I don't really want that. I actually like to work. So what do I actually want? That's a that's a question that keeps changing like over time. Right. As time changes, that question changes. You start to answer it differently. But yeah, um, sitting around not doing much of anything. That's a recipe for disaster. Maybe I do need a vacation. Taking time off. All creators need that, actually. In fact, that's part of the reason why I said I was doing a Freestyle Friday, right? Because I needed to sit down, take a break from that creativity. So I'll take that as my next topic. Um, taking a break. So when you're creating, was it number four, number five? I'll make it, I don't know. So when you're creating, you're in the zone. You're, you're thinking about your inputs. You're thinking about your outputs. You're thinking about what you're going to need to push to the next level. Should I create more that's new and different, or should I create more that's the same but improved? And you have to battle between these different things as you're creating. But at some point, you can't see what you're actually doing. Like I've got that job booking book going on that I'm writing right now. I got to a point where I needed to set it down and let my mind rest for a second. I needed to take a vacation from my own creation. Go create something else in a different way. Go create a a happy happy home. Go create a a happy vacation with my friends. Go go create some new experiences in the Grand Canyon or something like that. Creating in a different way, right? And when you, the thing weird thing about taking a break, and I'll get more research on this to back it up, but I've read the research, I just don't have the links for it. Taking a step away to create when you're creating, to take a vacation, to take a break, to take a breather, to get a fresh set of eyes is necessary because once you start seeing only certain angles of your art, only start seeing certain angles of your work and what you're building, only then do you actually only then do you actually start messing up and your quality goes bad and you may start getting a little tired. And these are signs that you've been looking at it too long. I think people all kind of understand this and understand what I'm getting at with that, but it's not something that's practiced. Like, hey, you're creating, you've created this thing long enough. You're doing good at it. We're going to force you to take a break. Some jobs do that. Or you're working the same thing for so long, they'll say, you know what, go take a break, go work on this, go separate yourself from what's happening here. Let's get you a fresh perspective on things. A lot of times they'll do that just to, just because they're shuffling people around on the job and like, oh my gosh, Rob's not here. What are we going to do? Well, let's put Benjamin over there. Let's see how he does. And you get a change of pace, but it's not intentional as part of the process. Suppose it forms double duty for the companies, but we're talking about you and yourself and what you're creating. Taking an intentional step back. That screenplay you're writing, that website you're working on, you get too close to the thing. Without getting too scientific into it, you definitely get too close, you get too focused, and you can't see what's good anymore. So one of the reasons I keep bouncing around to a lot of different things is I want to be able to see things clearly from different perspectives. 
it's one of the talents I picked up when I was making video games and coming up in the art scene, learning how to step back from my own creation, see things from different people's points of view and answering my own objections internally before I needed to go and express them somewhere else. And that's basically self-censorship, self-editing. You're chiseling your own creation as you go along. You're making your own edits. And you have to have a critical eye to do that. And you have to be able to critique yourself appropriately. A lot of us don't like to critique ourselves. We just assume everything we create is awesome. But we need to open ourselves to the chances that things are not so awesome. Man, what else is going on? Also, what I want to paint is something different from what I've usually put out there. I know a lot of you know my bit style paintings. Let me actually talk a little bit about doing something outside the box, outside your own box. There's a whole concept of thinking outside the box where you're breaking outside of trends, you're doing something a little different, you're doing something a little crazy. And you're able to create in a new way because you're not held down by the same old things that have held everybody else back. Thinking outside the box. Now, when people talk about thinking outside the box, they usually got they usually have an idea of an innovator or a person who's got a very clever perspective on something. But they don't think about people who really have worked so hard that they understand all the ins and outs of the box, the seams, where where the box is sturdy, where the box is weak, where the box can be extended safely. They don't look at it that way. They just think of something kind of clever. And they don't think of it as brave either. A lot of times when you're thinking outside the box, people don't want you outside the box. People hate it when you're outside the box. Like, why is this guy doing this? Why is that person this way? We have rules for this sort of thing. Why do they think they can get away with this? And they get very upset about outside of the box making. For as much as we say we love it, we tend to fight against outside of the box thinking very, very vehemently. I should know. I've thought outside of the box quite a few times and gotten punished for it. Said things that may have seemed outside of the box or no, they said things that were definitely outside of the box and got punished for it. Because you're not being simple. You're starting to be difficult. You're becoming a problem. You're making things an issue. Why can't you just be like everybody else? Why do you have to rock the boat? How are we going to handle this way of doing things? We don't have the resources. You can't just... So on and on that people will bash these ideas into your head. And that's what prevents you from thinking outside the box. All these other notions, all these ways that have been set up to keep you running things in the same way. When in fact you can do that, you, the actual change that needs to happen to make a big effect in humanity is actually very small. The actual changes are usually very small, but they have wide ranging repercussions and not everybody is playing along with that system, so they don't go along with it. 
simple things. Like, for example, a while, for a while in humanity, people used to, well, humanity, at least in the United States, people would sneeze and they would cover their mouths with their hands. And when they cover their mouths with their hands, when they sneeze, they would spread germs by touching things and people didn't wash their hands as much. So at some point someone says, hey, simple change. You could sneeze into the, the pit of your elbow. You sneeze under your arm instead of on your hands and you'll cut down on germ transmission Im immensely. That was thinking outside the box. It really wasn't that far of a stretch, but it was outside of the box, caused major changes, helped a lot of people. Same thing with just washing your hands in general. Uh, they were talking about doctors who wouldn't wash their hands a lot of times. They didn't have a hand sanitizing routine. Patients were getting sick and they were like, well, too bad for that guy. But I don't need to sanitize my hands. So that's, these are little changes. And they may sound innocuous right now, but you'll find a change. In fact, you've done this before. You have no doubt done this before and you may not have realized it unless you're a complete weirdo and people think that you're always thinking weird thoughts. Unless you're one of those types of people who does things weird and different and people laugh at you and they look at you funny or they get upset with you and chastise you for having these thoughts. Unless you're that type of person, you probably held on to some bullshit for far too long, held on to some nonsense that you shouldn't have. You should just let that go, but you're holding on to it for some reason because you don't know how to think outside the box. So let's say you can find this a lot in eating. If you're used to eating something, that's a simple change, right? You're just used to eating something a certain way. And then someone says, hey, well, why are you eating that kind of food with that kind of seasoning? Like, what? What are you talking about? It's like, why are you eating that kind of food with that kind of seasoning? And they'll like get mad at you for upsetting the status quo or whatever. But it's like, yeah, it's a seasoning. It has a certain taste that I like, so I do it this way. Say, like, oh, well, okay. Somebody asked me about, like, uh, for even even little stuff. I was going to I was going to have uh, some people over and we were cooking pasta, right? And I said, get some Romano cheese. And this Romano cheese is like it's like Parmesan, right? But it's a different flavor. It's a different type of cheese that they put out in the market. It's same kind of grated stuff like Parmesan, just tastes different. Slightly more expensive in some places, but that's beside the point. I like Romano with my pasta. So I'm going to get Romano sauce. I mean, Romano cheese. And someone says, someone has the nerve to say, why didn't you get Parmesan? Everybody likes Parmesan. It's a cheese and it's not that different. The fact that somebody actually had to stop and bring this up to me, it's not like I was asking them to eat cereal with water. It's not like I was asking them to put mangoes on their pizza instead of pineapples. It's not like I was asking anything that would really turn, would really cheese people off, right? I was just saying, hey, you try some Parmesan. I mean, try Romano instead of Parmesan. And they're like, oh, you know, everyone likes Parmesan. And that's one of those keep you in the box kind of statements. Well, you know, everybody does it this way. Or, you know, people think about eating food this way. They always want to tell you what 
you're supposed to know, and that means get back in line. It's actually really hard to build up the credentials, to build up the fortitude, to build up the intelligence, the deafness, and the clarity to operate outside the box continually. Because outside the box is not safe. It just isn't. People will F you up if you try to think out the box too much. Speaking of outside the box, I'm going to keep my schedule and wrap it here at about 30 minutes. So this has been my first Freestyle Friday in this new era of the podcast. I might call this season three. I might not. Anyway, I'm going to keep it going. I'm going to keep it pushing. If you have any questions, comments, or anything you need to tell me, let me know. And I'm supposed to have an outro here. Yeah, I actually wrote down an outro, so I'll try it out this time. All right, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you all for interacting with this. Take what you've learned, apply it where appropriate, and create something good. This is Mr. Benja's ADD Experience. See my website at mrbenja.com for more, and I will see you soon. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining me on this podcast. You all make everything I do possible, and I really do appreciate it. So even if you've got me on social, please visit mrbenja.com and see what's happening and how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right. I'll see you next time. Peace.